Well, welcome to X Church. Hey, listen, I am so excited that you guys would take time to tune in today to this broadcast, no matter where you're watching it from. Hey, listen, I also want you to know that you can be part of X Church no matter where you are. I think we've been in a season where so many of us have maybe, maybe we got in a rhythm or maybe this is new for watching a broadcast online. Could I just encourage you that you can be part of this church no matter where you are, even if you're not local here to Central Ohio. And so it doesn't matter what state you're in, what country you're in. Listen, we want to connect with you and we want to help you be part of this church. That's something we've learned in this season. And so I want to welcome all of you and If I could just say before I jump into today's message that today is a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet because this is the last time that I'm going to be preaching from this platform. Isn't that weird, guys? This is the last time that I'm going to be preaching from this platform. And let me tell you why. It's because we are in the process of moving to a new building in Canal Winchester, which I am pumped. We're excited about it. But I also recognize, and I think it's okay for us to recognize, that when you leave something, it's sometimes bittersweet. And when I think about, you know, all the things that God has done in this location, when I think about the size of our church and what it took to to move to Lithopolis, a little church in the middle of nowhere, and the thousands of people that have said yes to Jesus in this location. Some of you watching this, that's your story. It was here at this location where you said yes to Jesus. When I think about the hundreds and hundreds of people that were baptized in this location, can I just tell you it's a little bittersweet for me? It really is. What God has done in this location is so incredible. And yet at the same time, Can I just tell you one thing we have discovered through this entire season, what has absolutely been affirmed is that the church is not a building, it's not a location, and so listen, we're going to move on, and and I'm just kind of taking it all in right now in this moment just to kind of soak it in, but let me just tell you something, you are the church, not a building, it doesn't matter where we meet, whether we have a building, we haven't been meeting in a building, doesn't matter We are the church, you're the church, and so I can move forward with full confidence to the next stop, the next place that God has for us. And I believe God is going to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or imagine according to the power that works in us when we move forward in Canal Winchester. And uh, and so it's kind of a little sad to say goodbye and to kind of see this platform one last time that I get to preach, but we're getting ready to move to the new building, and uh, so anyways, I, I'm glad that you're with us. It's a special weekend for you to join us, okay? Now, if you are new with us, what we've been doing throughout this summer is we are hitting the road this summer. I don't know if you have a road trip planned. I know most of us that maybe had trips planned where we were going to fly had to cancel them. Maybe even your vacation plans have had to change And so we just decided, listen, the only way that we can really travel is to road trip, and so we thought, Let's road trip together in church. And so that's kind of what we've been doing for the last several weeks. And here's the thing about road trips, and you guys might know this, right? Road trips are fun when you get started. You know what I'm talking about, Gwen? Like, when you get started for a road trip, like, you get excited, and it's like packing the vehicle, and everybody's fired up and ready to go, and then four or five hours in, you're like, I'm done with this. Get me out of here. My back's hurting. The kids are screaming. I mean, that's kind of the reality of road trips, and the truth is this. That's kind of what it's felt like here in 2020. Like, I think a lot of us, it was so new 
in March when COVID hit, and we're like, okay, this is unique. This is church online, and it's like, okay, we can embrace this. And then months later, the reality is a lot of us are like, oh, gosh, i got to get out of the car. Like, this is rough. This is hard. I understand that. But if I could just encourage you, these are the moments in the middle of this where we have to, we just got to endure. We've got to stick it out, and we just got to keep going because God has something for us if we will go through the process. And so we're road tripping, not alone, though. We're on a road trip with another group of people that have been on a road trip before, and that is the nation of Israel through the story in Exodus. And so we've been kind of following their journey. When God brought them out of Egypt, he was taking them to Canaan, the promised land, but before they got there, they had to go on a road trip. They had to take a little detour and go through the desert, and it's on that road trip where they encountered God in such unique ways that it shaped them. And I feel like that in the middle of this road trip, this pandemic road trip, the reality is that I believe there are things that God wants to show us, there are things God wants to do in us, and so that's what we're doing and we've been doing it for the last few weeks. And so if you got your Bibles, you got your Bibles, guys? If you got your Bible at home, if you have your Bible, we're going to jump back into our road trip, Exodus chapter 17 today. Exodus chapter 17. And uh, this is what we've been doing on this little bit of a journey. And so uh, grab your Slurpee and your Twizzlers, and, and we're going to head back in the car. And we're going to travel with the Israelites a little bit further uh, this week. Now, again, I want to encourage you, as I've been doing the last few weeks and so many people said, man, this has been helpful. Get your Bible. I'm going to give you a chance. Grab a paper Bible if you've got one. If you don't have one, let us know. Let us know in the chat. We will send you a Bible. Okay? But grab your Bible and try to... These are the moments where online's been weird. What does it look like for you to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to push through the weirdness and I'm, I'm going to receive something today. Because I believe God's got a word for us today. I really do. Exodus chapter 17. Now, here's what's going on. We're going to pick up in verse 8. Okay, Exodus chapter 17, but the nation of Israel, actually, they had been driving along and they camped out in a place called Rephidim. Rephidim, that's the name of it. That's the way you, most of us would say Rephidim or something, but it's Rephidim. And they camp out in this place. God was leading them there. And, and God does this miracle and he brings water. And then we get to verse 8, and this is what happens. It goes from bad to worse. I don't know if you feel like 2020, that's, that's been our narrative, okay? It's about to get worse. Here's what it says in verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men and go out and fight the Amalekites. He said, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment. I want you to picture this, okay? They're, they're camping out in this place that God took them in the middle of the wilderness. Okay, they're in the middle of the desert here when all of a sudden a, a nation that was to the north called the Amalekites kind of decided to do a preemptive attack. In other words, they knew the Israelites. They saw they were making their way toward them and they thought they'd heard the stories like we are not gonna wait for them to come attack us. We're gonna surprise them. And so they march all the way down and they attack them when they are in an incredibly vulnerable place in the middle of the wilderness. And here's one thing I want you to understand, okay? The Israelites were not looking for a fight, but a fight came to them. They weren't looking to fight anybody. They're just trying to follow God through the desert, but a fight came to them. And if I could just tell you, if I could just tell you guys, 2020 
That's what it feels like. I don't think any of us went into 2020 looking to pick a fight. I was not looking to pick a fight with 2020. But if I could just tell you, it feels like it has attacked us. I don't know if it feels like that at home, but for me, guys, it feels like 2020 has just straight out come out and attacked us. And, and here's what we've discovered is in the middle of this, I keep saying to myself, it can't get any worse. And then it gets worse. Have you noticed that? I mean, a few weeks into the pandemic, it couldn't get worse. It got worse. We're dealing with all that. It couldn't get worse. Civil unrest, it gets worse. Like, okay, everything, the numbers are getting better. Now they're getting worse. Like, I keep thinking to myself, this couldn't get worse, and it keeps getting worse. And here's the thing. As they follow God deeper into the desert, here's what's happened. They got more and more vulnerable. And it kind of feels like, for me, that the more we follow God into the season, the more and more vulnerable it feels like. I don't know if it's felt like that for you, but it has for me. Like, I'm in the middle of just trying to process so much new. As I mentioned, we have a new building coming, so we're trying to get that figured out, the project that we have. I mean, that's still going on. We're trying to figure out how to have church and do it well and serve you online. How do we serve our community? I'm going to city meetings on a regular basis, trying to get variances for our project. I've got a wedding that's coming up real soon that I'm planning. Like, there is so much. I am, like, just frazzled. I have so much pulling at me, and I think, it couldn't get worse. My wife and I were saying this, like, it couldn't get any worse this year, could it? And then two weeks ago, I had a backup sewer line problem at my house. I have a sewer line. Can I tell you a little bit about, I won't tell. I had a sewer line that backed up in my house. Now, let, let me just, I will spare you the crappy details, okay? I will I will spare you those because it was really gross. But it caused about $10,000 worth of damage. My basement is a mess. It's still not fixed. And my wife and I were saying to each other, it can't get worse, right? We, 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 it cannot get worse. But the reality is this, that most of us have just been going through this season trying to navigate it. And, and, it, and we're just trying to do our best but can I say this? Sometimes the fight comes to your, your doorstep when you're not looking for one. And that's what happened to the Israelites, okay? The Amalekites came to their doorsteps. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we don't get to choose our battles. Can I, can I say it again? We don't get to choose our battles. Let me just say this. Some of you, you, you didn't choose to be battling cancer. You didn't choose that. You didn't choose to be laid off. You didn't choose to be in a situation where someone abused you for a long time. We didn't choose these things, and yet the reality is that a lot of us find ourselves in a really difficult season. We're really vulnerable. Our finances are vulnerable. Our health is vulnerable. And it seems like when we get into places like that, that that is when the devil loves to attack the most. That's when the enemy will come at you. And I don't know what the rest of this year has, Scott. I do not know what to expect. But here's what I do know is that we don't get to choose our fights. Sometimes they come at us. And here's what Moses says. I got to just, guys, this is so hilarious to me. It's slightly almost just, I don't know, it's, it's laughable. But, but I want you to picture this. Moses looks at Joshua. He was the commander of the army, obviously. Joshua takes some men. 
Go down. He was up on a hill. Go down and fight the Amalekites. Now, I want to remind you of something. These are not trained warriors. This is not an army that is organized and ready for battle. These are bricklayers. These are people who came out of Egypt in slavery. This is a whole generation that did not know what it was to fight. They were not in the army. I mean, this is who they, and they probably didn't have a bunch of weapons. So I want you to picture Moses tells Joshua, I want you to go into the battle, grab some men, take them with you. I don't know what they're using, broomsticks. I, I don't know if they had bow and arrow or if they did, but surely the Amalekites came ready for a fight, and they got swords and spears, and they've got all this stuff. And here's what Moses tells Joshua. Take some men and go into the fight. I'll stand on top of the hill. Did anybody else think that was funny? You go fight. I'm just going to stay back here. You get into the thing, but hey, I'm going to take the staff of God, and I'm going to go and stand on a hill. I don't know why, but I just find this so funny that Moses, here's his plan. You go fight. I'm going to stay back and watch. Okay? And so here's Moses who gets into the overwatch position. He, he, I don't know if he's doing recon support. I don't know what's going on. And, and, and all of a sudden, something really strange happens when they get into battle. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Verse 11, it says, as long as Moses held up his hands, maybe you underline that phrase, he held up his hands. It says the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Now, I found this really kind of uh, strange because, guys, I was like trying to figure out from my, my mind, I was like, how do you discover this? Like, what is the method to discovering that when Moses has his hands up, they win. When he has his hands down, they're losing. Like, I was trying to think to myself, how do you even know that? Like, all I can think is that Moses is there watching with Aaron and her, and, and, and then all of a sudden, they, they see some of the Israelites, like, killing some of them, and maybe Moses goes, yeah, and he starts cheering. Woo, look at him go. And, all the, and they're just wiping them out. Moses like, this is amazing, right, guys? Like, oh, my gosh, we're winning. This is amazing what you do at the football stadium, right? Touchdown. Like, yeah, we're winning. And then after a while, he puts his hands down, and the Amalekites start killing them. And I just, I just wonder if Moses was like, we just killed three of them. They just killed four of us. We just killed two of them. They just killed three of us. We just, I don't know how they figured this out, but here's the reality, okay? When Moses lifted his hands up, they had victory. When he put his hands down, they had defeat. So imagine, here's all you gotta do, Moses. Keep your hands up. Just keep your hands up. Imagine figuring this out. Okay, all I gotta do is hold my hands up, and we win. Okay. I want to do a little exercise. I need you to play along at home. I know this might feel a little bit weird. I need you guys to play along. I want to see, because I don't know if you've ever done this like at the gym or your dad. I want to see how long you can keep your hands up in the air. So I want all of you guys to join in and play. Okay? I want all of you. Put your hands up. I want you to keep them up in the air. Okay? Do it at home. Do it at home. I know it's weird. Okay? You're sitting on the couch or you're outside on the porch and your family's around. Okay? Put them up. Come on, guys. Why don't you show your wife how big and strong you are, how big your lats are and your delts and your, you know, your traps and your, what else you got back there? And your, I don't know, your scapula or whatever. Like, I want you to hold your hands up like this. Okay? Keep them up. 
Just keep them up. What'd you say? Traps. traps. I said traps. I said traps. Lats, delts, rear delts, pecs, guns, whatever. Tries. Okay? Just hold it up. I just, keep your hands up at home. Keep it up. I want to see how long. Matter of fact, I'll just preach the rest of this message. And listen, whether or not you get blessed or not will determine whether or not you have your hands up the whole message. So just keep it up the whole time. Is anybody else feel, do you feel it burning at all, Scott? Huh? Do you feel it burning a little bit? What about you, Gwen? Are you good? Are you good? I don't know how long you guys can go, but I'm telling you, I can already feel it. It's already hurting. I can already feel. Now, let me just, let me just kind of pose something to you. I want you to consider this. The fight, listen, depended upon this posture. The victory depended upon this posture. Can I ask you guys something real quick, okay? Are you getting tired yet? Oh, oh look, Pastor Russ, ain't getting tired. That's right, he works out three times a day. I don't know. Are you getting tired? Who's getting tired? Keep them up, keep them up. Are you getting tired? Let, let me ask you this question. Are you getting tired at home? Are things hurting a little bit? Are your, are your arms getting heavy? Are you getting kind of worn out? What, what if I'm not talking about your physical arms right now? But what if I'm talking about your emotions? What if I'm talking about your soul right now? What if I'm talking about your spiritual life right now? What if I'm talking about, are you tired? Are you, are you, because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like 2020, this is why, I feel like we got our hands up. I feel like since March, this, it's, it's heavy. I'm trying to hold up life right now. I'm trying to keep things going. Some of you feel that way right now. I'm just trying to make it through. It almost feels like someone said, stick them up. That's what it feels like in March, and we got our hands up like this, and, and, and we're getting tired. Are you tired? Because here's what I know about this season. This season has been really tiring. This is a tiring season. Some of you are so tired under the weight of worry. You're tired because you're worried that they're going to lay you off any day now, and they've been talking about it at work. You're tired because you're worried about figuring out what's going to happen with your kids this fall and the school plans have come out, but you're not sure what happens when it's yellow or red or green and how you can even go to work, and you're getting so tired. I think so many of us, if I could just be honest, and I'll just put myself there. If you're tired, raise your hand. Oh, wait a minute. They're already up. Are you tired yet? Are you been there? Are you getting tired? Are you guys getting tired? You want to put your hands down? You can put your hands down. Oh, 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 okay. All right. We're, we're going to play that game. See so who's the first to put their hands down, okay? If, if I could just... If I could just say, and I know this is tiring for, for so many people. We're all trying to navigate something we've never been through before. And it's tiring and it's exhausting. And if I could just say from my perspective, this is for me. This is my personal. It's the only thing I can speak to right now. Um, if I could just say ministry, uh, what we've been trying to do in church and leadership, if I could just say it's been really hard. It's been really tiring. I, I find, find myself emotionally tired, mentally tired. Um, and I know, you, I know you've got things in your life that make you tired. But, but I, like, we don't know the right thing to do all the time. We're, we're trying to figure it out. Regather, don't regather, make it safe. How is it safe? All, all of these things. We're trying to do church online. We're trying to record. We're trying to make and the, the, the greatest experience we can. We're trying to serve all of you the best we can. We're, we're, we know not everybody's happy. We know, if I could just tell you, ministry has been so exhausting. And I'm not complaining. I'm just trying to say I'm tired. I feel like I've had my arms up for months. And I just feel tired. I think a lot of us feel that way. I, 
I, I, I have uh, some pastors that I'm close friends with that live in this area. And just even recently in our texting conversations, every single one of them just said, I'm exhausted. And I think one of the things that's been so tiring is not knowing how long I have to keep my hands up. I think that's what's so tiring. Like, I can, if you told me to do this for five minutes, I could make it. I could make it. But if, if the battle depended upon me keeping my hands up till sunset, I don't know if I could survive. If I, if I, if I don't know how long it's going to take that I have to keep my hands up like this this year, I, I, how, do we, how do we make it? It was one pastor described it best, and he was talking about ministry, but maybe this is the way you felt. It's kind of like back in March, we all started running a triathlon. We just didn't know it, and we had never trained for it. And it's, I feel like I've been trying to keep my head above water, and someone said in March, get into the lake or the ocean and start swimming, and it's two and a half miles, and I'm not sure how I'm going to make it, and then I'm exhausted, and you get out of the ocean, and someone hands you a bike. Start pedaling. When is it going to end? I, I, I just, I'm picturing in this moment that, that here is Moses who realizes the victory depends on this posture. The nation, it depends on me and this posture. And I think there's parents and I think there's business owners and I think there's people who feel like that everything depends on you making all the right decisions and you in this kind of posture. Now here's the irony of this. This I found funny. The irony of holding your hands up in this posture I'm picturing Moses who's got his hands up. Is the irony is, is that as Moses held his hands up as a sign of surrender to God, when he did that, they got victory. When he held his hands up, because here's what this is. This, when you hold your hands up, this is the international sign of surrender. You ever see... The TV shows, because I don't know if you ever happened in real life, but somebody comes in to rob the place where you are. They got a gun, they got a knife, they got something. Everybody immediately, they don't even have to say, stick them up. Everybody knows. Oh, this is the international sign of surrender. And what's interesting is that when Moses holds his hands up as a sign of surrender, that's when they win. When he puts his hands down, that's when they lose. This, this kind of fascinated me because what, what they didn't realize and what Joshua doesn't know in the battle and the Amalekites don't know in the battle is that the Israelites have a secret weapon. Yeah, the Israelites have a secret weapon. His name is Moses. And, and, and the Israelites have a guy up on a hill who's got his hands up to heaven, who's holding his hands up. And as long as that happens, they don't have a chance against the Israelites. As long as he holds this posture. Now, maybe it's not just that Moses and there's something about this posture alone that gave him the victory, but maybe it's what this posture represented that actually began to give them the victory because they didn't even realize that Moses, as he holds up this posture, it's as if Moses is lifting up his prayer. It's as if Moses is lifting up his praise to God in heaven. And it's like when he calls upon God in heaven, God gives them the victory on earth. What I'm trying to say to you today is this. You might not realize this, but you have a secret weapon. You have a secret weapon. Do you know what your secret weapon is? Your secret weapon is worship. 
Worship is your secret weapon. And here's what I know is that a lot of us are tired and a lot of us are weary, but if I could just tell you something, that there is something so powerful about your worship. It's not just singing a few songs. It's not just attending a church experience. But listen, when you lift your hands and surrender to God, when you begin to open your mouth and begin to praise God, I don't think we realize what happens in the supernatural. I don't think we realize that when we have things that come against us, the first thing we never think to do is to worship God. But there might be something powerful about getting into this posture and getting into the presence of God and saying, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to worship God anyways. And the moment you begin to do this, things on earth can change. You have a secret weapon. Worship is your secret weapon. And I'm not just talking about the one time a week when we would gather together, I know some of you were thinking, well, pastor, if you guys were open, I, I, I would come and, and, and I miss it, but we can't, or maybe I, I, I've got reasons that we can't gather. And so we, we haven't worshiped. Can I just tell you something? If the only time that you worship was once a week when we gather together, then you don't have enough to sustain all of the stuff that you're dealing with in 2020. It's like I've heard this phrase said before about prayer. If God today answered every single prayer that you prayed yesterday, would he answer any prayers? That's challenging, right? In other words, did you have the faith when you prayed, or are you even praying in this moment? Because I think a lot of us, what we're doing is that we've taken a posture of waiting rather than a posture of worship. We've taken a posture, well, I'm waiting for God to do a miracle, well, I'm waiting for this thing to end. Well, I'm waiting for a, a, a vaccine. Well, I'm just waiting for God to show up in the season. So in the meantime, I'm just, I'm just sitting around waiting. You don't need to sit around waiting. Moses wasn't waiting. Moses was in a posture of worship. What if the battles that you fought depended upon your worship? Have you ever thought about that? What if every battle that you're, and I'm not just talking about the big things, but I'm talking about every small battle, every financial battle, every struggle with your kids, every fight with your spouse. What if the battles you fight in this year, what if the battles you're dealing with, what if, it, what if your worship would determine the outcome? Would it change things? Because it did for the Israelites. As long as Moses took this posture I'm surrendered to you, God. As long as he held it up, they had the victory. And if I could just tell you this today, some battles aren't won with a sword, but with a word. Some battles in your life are not going to be won with force. They're not going to be won with fight. They're going to be won with a word of praise. A word of praise on your lips in the middle of your fight and your struggle declaring who God is and what God can do is the very thing that could break the chains that are holding you down. What happens? See, a lot of times we think, well, I'm just singing along with the band. Pastor Trey, he's, he's the singer, so I just let him sing, and, and I just kind of just sit there, and I, and I just kind of do my thing. Yeah, but I'm asking, are you worshiping? Are, are, you, are you taking a posture in your heart, and are you taking a posture in your life where you're saying, God, no matter how bad it gets, I trust you. God, no matter how dark it looks, you're my hope. 
God, no matter what I'm going through, I will praise you nonetheless. It doesn't matter what today looks like. You have tomorrow, and I'm going to praise you regardless of how I feel. And a lot of us don't feel like it, but, but let me just tell you something. It's your secret weapon, guys. Worship is your secret weapon. And, and I know some of your, every time we talk about worship and maybe how you, you know, maybe could worship and this posture, we always get pushed back and people are like, well, that, that's just not how I worship. Okay, okay, I get it, I get it. Uh, maybe you're someone that says, I'm not a hand raiser. I'm not a hand raiser, right? I, I'm worshiping, but I don't like to sing because I, I sing off key and I, I can't really sing and and so I, I don't like to raise my hands, and I don't like to sing a lot, but I'm worshiping on the inside. I understand that, but if I could just tell you something, you don't realize that if you would just begin to take a posture like this, and I know you've maybe never done it before, some of you. Some of this is brand new. I, I believe that something would begin to shift and change inside of you. Why, why do I believe that? I'm, I'm not even saying for spiritual reasons. I'm saying really practical reasons. There was a study that was done uh, recently where some scientists that came out of Harvard and other things we're studying body language, okay? They found body language to be so fascinating. And so they were studying different people's body language. And here's what they discovered. They discovered that when people are stressed, worried, anxious, when people are uncertain, you, you know what they do? Here's what they said. They said a lot of times, and, and you see this in school and students, is they'll make themselves small. They don't even realize this. Their body language is. They make themselves, you know, this and hand under here and across their arms, hunch their back. Some of you might be sitting like that right now. You know, all of a sudden you're straightening it up. And go, okay, okay. And, and, and they found out. And here's what they did. They did this study, this study of students, uh, students who got better grades than others because they have participation grades in school and all this. And, and what they determined was, okay, that how you thought about a situation or someone could actually affect your behavior and the outcome. And so here's what they discovered. They, they discovered that, that um, how you behaved was a result of what you believed. But here's the interesting thing. You could also reverse it. In other words, if you don't feel confident, here's what they did. They had these students and these different people. They said, we want you to do an exercise for two minutes every day. And you can do it in the privacy of your own home. Before they went on job interviews, they said, here's what you should do. You should, you should try this. This is real practical. It's helpful, okay? They said, practice for two minutes. Make yourself big. Lift your arms. That's what they said. They literally showed pictures. Right? Like, this is what we do when we are victorious. When the football team, right? Ted Studemaker. When, when the football team scores a goal, this is what Pastor Russ would say. I know that. When they make a field goal, when they do whatever, right, we go like this, and there's something about that movement that is connected to our spirit, and, and they said this. And so here's what they did. They told these students, we want you, before you go to school, before you go on an interview, we want two minutes. We want you to make yourself, puff your chest out, stick your arms up. We want you to make yourself big and practice this. And then they went into interviews and other things, and their body language actually gave a different perception of them, and the people who did that were more likely to get hired than the ones who didn't. Here's what I'm saying. This just feels weird. This feels fake. I, don't, I never do this. This feels weird. You know what the study said? These, this was not a Christian study. This was not a religious study. You know what they would say? Do this anyways, and it will affect your perception. 
Do this anyways, and it'll change the way you see your situation. Do this anyways, and it'll change. You know what? I think we already knew that in the church. That even though I don't feel like it, if I will still lift my hands and surrender to God, if I will still lift my hands, this is also the international sign of worship, if I will still praise God in the middle of what I'm going through, what we discovered is it might not change my situation, but all of a sudden it changes my spirit, and it changes the way I see things, and all of a sudden it could actually change the outcome because it changes the way you see it. And so I just want to encourage you to say, well, I'm not a hand raiser. I'm not a hand clapper. I'm not a singer. Maybe you should fake it till you make it. Well, this feels weird. I know. But there's something about taking this posture with God that's not weird. There's something about taking this posture that would change things. And so here we are, and so many of us, we're going through a real hard season in life. This is a challenging time. This is a hard season that we're in. And let me just tell you, here's what I found often happens. When we get into a hard season, we tend to lose our worship first. I've seen this over and over in the church, that when a husband and wife are in strife, the last thing they want to do is worship because they feel like it's fake. When you're struggling with an addiction, the last thing you want to do is show up at church. The last thing that you want to do is, is be around a community of faith. But if I could just tell you something, the most important thing that you can do in a difficult season like this, the most important thing that you could ever do is that you would stay connected to a community of worship. That, that's, that's so important because it was important in this story. Let me read for you verses 12 and 13. This is how important this was. Look what it says with me. It says that, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him. And it says he sat, sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Here they are. Moses is tired. We're tired. I don't feel like worshiping. This year has not given me a whole lot to feel like worshiping God. But what we don't realize in the middle of the battle is that that is the time when your worship matters the most. And so here he is. I'm tired. And Aaron and her come over. Can I get an Aaron and her? Because I'm getting tired right now. Aaron and her, I just want you to see this picture. Aaron and her come. And they just, they hold his arms. He sits on a rock. And here's this picture of community. Right now, guys, can I just tell you, we need each other. This is not a time to disconnect. This is not a time when you go, I'm just going to try to make it through on my own. And you just keep telling yourself, this is a time when you need a circle. This is a time when you need an Aaron and a her who can come alongside you when you're struggling, when you want to give up, when you're weak, when you're tired. These are the moments when you need people who say, I got you. I got your arms. I'll hold you up. I'll keep you going. You're not going to quit. I'm going to keep you going. Thank you, guys. This is why we need an Aaron and a her in our life. And I'm just so thankful to tell you this. I've been tired for weeks and weeks and weeks. But I'm just telling you, I'm so thankful that I have a staff and a community of people that I am invested in in this 
community of worship. And I'm just telling you, they're holding my arms up right now, guys. Can I ask you who's holding yours up? Who's holding your arms up? Because we're going to get tired. And I don't know when this year, I don't know when all this is going to end. Who's holding your arms up? And this is what the Lord said, verses 14 through 16, and we're going to close. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered. He said, Make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar, and he called it, The Lord is my banner. Would you underline that word, banner? He said, because his hands were lifted up, hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Here's what God told Moses. Write it down and make sure Joshua hears this. Why do you say that? Because Joshua had a perspective that he didn't understand. He might think that he was the one that brought the victory. He had no idea about the secret weapon of worship. So he said, you got to write it down and tell Joshua because he might think, look what we did. And Moses is going to say, no, 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 no. It wasn't you. It was the Lord. You, you don't know, but I was praying and I was worshiping and I had a posture like this. And whenever I had my hands up, whenever I surrendered to God, he gave us the victory. And so in this moment, he, he, he says, you, you need to understand this. And this is what I want us to get today. So many of us are thinking, I'm good. I just got to push through. I just got to hold it together a little bit longer. I just got to keep the faith. I just got to keep trusting. And a lot of us are trying to get through all of this by our might and our power. But can I just tell you, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by the spirit of the Lord that things are going to change. And so here's what Moses does. He builds an altar there. What does an altar represent? It up represents worship but it also represents sacrifice. Do you know the greatest worship that you can ever give God is worship of sacrifice. It's when you sacrifice, when you sacrifice your time, your energy, your worship. I, I don't feel like it because I'm tired. I don't feel like it because it's not going well. I don't feel like, why should I worship God? That's the moment you do it the most. That's when it becomes a sacrifice of praise. That when it reaches God's ears, he says, that is the kind of worship I'm looking for. I'm looking for worshipers who will worship me in spirit and in truth, even when it's hard. So here's what Moses said when he built this altar. He said, he called it, the Lord is my banner. Now here's what's been fascinating to me on this journey, and we're going to close is that God throughout this whole desert experience, because you know what, I, I'm not enjoying this pandemic experience. I'm not enjoying all of this, and I know you're not either. But what I've discovered through their road trip and our road trip is that God tends to reveal who he is the most in the desert, in the wilderness, not on the mountaintop. For hundreds of years, all the Israelites knew was that the God that they served was the, the God of their father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's how they knew of him. And then you guys know that when God called Moses, when God called Moses to go and set them free, how did God tell them, tell Moses that he would be known? He said, Moses said, who should I tell them sent me? And God said, I am. 
That was new. What do you mean I am? What, 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 fill in the blank, I am what? It's almost like God was trying to say, you can't put me in a box. You can't limit me to your definitions. He's like, I am. Listen, before there was ever any of this, I am. And he says, I am, and I am your source, and I am your strength, and I am whatever you need. And so God began to expand in this moment. And then as we found on this journey, he takes them into the wilderness, into the desert, and they get to Mara, and there's no water. And in that moment, we learn that he is Jehovah Rapha. That was the term that Moses used. In other words, God, our healer, because he healed the waters. And he said, I want to heal you. And then they traveled a little bit further, and then they ran out of food. And then it's like, okay, God, where are you? And then God showed up up as Jehovah Jireh because he said I see you and I will provide for you and now they travel a little bit further and now they're getting attacked and now they're getting there's a fight on their hands and they don't know what they can do and this is in this moment when Moses said he is Jehovah Nisi the Lord is our banner he is my banner the Lord is my what does that mean the Lord is my banner the Lord is my banner you see, you see, when they would march out to battle, they would hold up a flag, a banner. They would say, this is who we're aligned under. They would hold up. It's much like we saw in the Revolutionary War, all these wars, when everybody would fight, the most important thing was keep the flag up, keep the banner up. This is who we are. This is who we're surrendered to. This is, this is who we are. And it's as if Moses was saying that the reason we had victory was because I held my hands up. I will held up the banner of the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth, and there was nothing too big for him. And this is the God that we serve, not the God of the Amalekites. And he said, this is my God. He is my banner. And when we as a church and we as in people recognize that we come together and we give our worship to the one God that we all align ourselves under, we are not black or white or red or yellow or Democrat or Republican or liberal or conservative, but we are all members of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is our banner, that he is over us. That is who we align. We under him. These are the moments where we understand that our worship so powerful that it can break chains. It can set us free. Can I just tell you today that worship is your key to finding freedom even in this season. I know you're tired and you're weary. You got your hands down. Slumped over. I'm just waiting for, okay, God, this to end. I'm waiting. Let's not wait. Let's worship. I know I, I, know I don't feel like it all the time. But if you will just set your heart to say, I'm going to worship God no matter what. I'm going to worship him no matter what. I think about Paul and Silas. I'm closing. I think about Paul and Silas sitting in a prison. Paul and Silas with their arms chained up. I imagine they're chained up to the walls. And in the middle of the night, when it's dark and it's pitch dark, they begin to sing and they begin to worship. And what happened the moment they began to worship, chains broke off of them. And what I'm here to say to you today is that I don't know what your fight is. I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what struggle you're dealing with. But I can tell you one thing, that, that worship is your key to finding freedom. It may not change your outcome today, but it will change you. And it will lift your spirit. And it will help you to see that if God is for you, who can be against you? And so no matter what happens in this season, this is what we're going to do. This is our posture. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. I want, I want us to leave today worshiping him. 
I want to I ask you to do something that maybe feels so foreign, it feels so different, it feels strange. Maybe you've never taken a posture like this, but I want to ask every single one of you at home, you're outside, you're on the deck, you're wherever, if you can, would you stand up to your feet right now? I want to ask you to stand up. I feel so strongly that this message, the Spirit of God is saying, you know what, some of you have stopped worshiping God. And I feel so strongly that God is saying, no, 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 this is the time. You want victory in your life, you worship. You want victory in your marriage, you worship me. You want victory over that addiction, you worship me. You want victory in your situation, I'm your provider, I'm your healer, but make me your banner today. Make me the Lord God, the one that you worship, you surrender to me and watch what I do. Because when you begin to lift praise up, let me tell you this, demons begin to shake. When you begin to worship God, something happens in the supernatural. We can't see it in the, uh, with our natural eyes, but I'm telling you, something in the spirit world begins to change and the armies of God begin to fight on our behalf. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna worship God like this. We're gonna declare, I'm gonna begin to pray and then we're gonna sing and worship God. And I'm gonna encourage and challenge every single one of you. What does it look like for you to lift your hands? To lift your hands. Come on, bow your heads, close your eyes right now. I know this might be a little weird at home. This might feel a little bit strange, but what would it look like for you to lift your hands up? I, I, know, I know you're not a hand raiser, but we're gonna fake it till we make it. We're, we're gonna do that knowing that we're gonna go first in that. God, I pray right now as we prepare to worship you. God, I pray that the things, the shackles that have held on to so many people in this season, God, people are feeling discouraged, defeated. They're feeling depressed. They're, 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 they're feeling like, God, there's no hope for their situation, no hope for their marriage, no hope for their kids, no hope for their financial situation, no hope for what's going on. God, we just declare right now that we're going to worship you anyways. God, we don't know the outcome of the battle, but we know that the victory is yours. We know, God, that if if we worship you, that we know, God, no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. And so, God, in this place and in this moment, we lift our hands and we praise you and we worship you and we surrender to you. Come on, I want to invite every single one of you right there to begin to lift your voice, to praise God, and let's worship him today.